Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Matt Trewella. I'm John Paul Fuller-Jackson. And I'm Matt Croger. Welcome to another Aussie-themed episode, this time with the duo who have the might of Goonhammer behind them, uh, Matt and JP. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Um, now, before we get started, I've got a specific question for you, JP. And, uh, you know, I haven't put the question in the show notes to deliberately catch you unawares. I um, I have heard that that introduction that we just gave and that you said about your name is actually false and that you actually lost your second surname <laughs> in a bet, that you are no yeah. longer John Paul Fuller Jackson but simply John Paul Fuller. Is, is that yeah. correct? This is true. Uh, <laughs> it was a grudge match against Matthew Selleck, who is now Matthew Jackson Selleck. Um, so, yeah, I had to give it. It's like, all right. I've got four names. Now I have three. I can still get by in society. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, see, that's the bit I didn't actually know. I didn't know that Selleck was actually now Jackson Selleck. So there you yeah, go. I mean, you know, quotation marks. You, you, we don't want to yeah, go to yeah. the government and all kind of stuff. But Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, true. That, that was the uh, downside of convict. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So before we get into the show proper, you know, we always like to do a hobby update. And uh, Matt, do you want to tell us what you've been working on, mate? Yeah, I've got, just in time for Ronnie's announcement of the new Night Stalker models coming up, I've got a bunch of butchers on my painting desk and a bunch of reapers waiting to be built. So not great timing on that, but... I'm having a bit of fun with it, repainting the old Night Stalker army that I had that was half Bantic, half GW, a few 3D printed bits in there, redoing it all for the Counter Charge and your um, full Mantic army slow grow thing. So just having a crack getting through that. And I've also got a bunch of the Eagle Warriors, my Aztec army that I've been working on for, well, last year or so. They finally arrived, and I've got a bunch of brown on them for the most part now. That's sort of it. There's a lot of detail, and a lot of that detail is various bits of leather. So, yeah, right. 50 shades of brown. Oh, and speaking of shades, I've got a little shade here as well. Can you guys see him? We can see him. Yeah, people online coming along. I love that blue. Might need another highlight for the skin, but the rest of you who are listening can just imagine. Yeah, just imagine a really nice bright blue, guys. You know, mm. anyone got any more? Dis- <laughs> anyone got a finer description than blue that we can give the audience? Uh, I've done. I've done a red skin, a blue magic, and a grey rock, and some bits and pieces, some bone colour for teeth and claws and whatnot. So yeah, yeah awesome. I'm and pretty happy. I've, with I've it. heard the, nice the reapers are pretty. The old reapers, I should say, are pretty hard to put together. Is that is that right? I've only done the resin ones so far, and they were mostly fine. Um, the annoying thing is they're all quite spiky, so just holding things together gets you a bit of pin pricks in your fingers. But uh, so far, so good. 
I'm a shocker putting things together. I just cannot avoid just getting super glue everywhere. It's just, it's just a nightmare. Yeah, yeah I've uh, glued my fingers hobby. together. Yeah, or well, hobby knives, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I usually spend two days like chewing the glue off my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should eat that. No, yeah. that's all right. You know, everything's a carcinogen these days. <laughs> I think they said, "Oh, what did mm-hmm. I hear this week?" I think it was something like being a parent is actually classed as a carcinogen or something like that. <laughs> All that stress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Getting the kids to bed on time. What about you, JP? What are you working on? Well, yeah, I mean, with the slow grows, I've got the uh, reforged orcs, which I'm just kind of going, getting through that infantry because all the army boxes are just infantry. <laughs> so I've got plenty of those to paint. Um, and then I, at the same time, I, I found because some guy was giving away like a whole bunch of just Warhammer crap, Wargaming crap. I got a whole undead army that I'm slowly multi-basing. Um, oh, nice. And then touching up with like some extra colors because it's it's like it's kind of painted, but it's like as if someone just did the base coat. So just putting a bit of which is the most time-consuming bit, though, right? So which is yeah, no, nice. exactly, especially yeah, yeah. for all the zombies and stuff. So yeah, mm. sure. <laughs> so yeah, it's a uh, that's awesome. How are you finding the reforge orcs? For the most part, As in I really to put together and assemble mostly. You probably oh, haven't played it. with them yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but no, they're, <laughs> they're super nice to. Uh, put together the simple, big, chunky kind of like I don't know if you've ever put together. Oh, you've put together salamanders. So the whole hmm. body is one thing, and then you just put the arms and head on, and so it's pretty simple. Um, yeah, don't look too bad at all. Uh, just yeah, sometimes the, the head, the mold line goes along the the face, so I always tend to try and pick uh, any of the helmeted orc variants, any full, any open face ones. I'm like, oh, because well, I don't want to file on their face. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be able to bring that detail back. Yeah. Uh, I suck at removing mold lines. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I just, um, yeah, I'm certainly not a elitist hobbyist when it comes to things like mold lines. So you find quite a few on mine. But I'm, I know what you mean about the heads, not necessarily in terms of mold lines, but some of the salamanders, you know, have heads in two pieces. And I'm like, no, nah, stuff that. That's an extra step. You know, I'll, <laughs> yep, just pick, yep. I'll pick the ones that are just single piece heads. Thanks very much. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Put together, I was yeah, I was gonna do like sixty placoderms making salamanders, and I got through thirty. I'm like, no, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm up to about yeah, I'm up to about sixty salamanders and a bunch of all the other stuff. Had to uh, recruit recruited my wife for a bit of an assembly line there. <laughs> I, I got got her to do the trimming and clipping, and I did the gluing. <laughs> what happened to that other guy? I thought you had this other minion. Oh yeah, he's still doing my halflings. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not the aeronauts ever again. Yeah, exactly. I just. That one's doing the aeronauts the second time. Yeah, I think multiple spreading, spreading, spreading the bad jobs around is the way to go. Yeah. Sounds- and the good thing about Jess is I don't have to pay her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll pay. Well, not in money anyway. <laughs> 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 uh, um. Yeah, so I mean, I just alluded to I've been working on my salamanders. I started getting some paint on the. I've done a single rhinosaur battle captain uh, that's gone on my bases, and I've started painting the uh, fire elementals and greater fire and elemental. I had been previously. I used them with the halflings, and I had started with these guys, but then changed using the army painter uh, speed paints. I think is what they call mm-hmm. their range, to do my base coating before highlighting. 
But increasingly, and I think particularly on the bigger salamander models, I their coverage just wasn't as good. I was having to go over them, so I just went out and bought contrast paints instead. Their, their first layer coverage just seems to be that little bit better. It doesn't roll off the model quite so much. So mm, um, mm-hmm. I just figured, you know, it's worth the extra price probably for the extra for the time it saves me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is disappointing. I quite liked the armor paint painter ones at first, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll go back. I'll keep using them for the halflings just because that'll be consistent. But um, after that, I think I'll stick to contrast and just highlighting them up. Mm. Not doing um, the like thin the army painter and over a zenithal, what a slap chop. No, no, I oh God, like I've all, all I know about slap chop is the word. You know, I just, <laughs> I have not, I've not uh, investigated even, you know, exactly what it is. And even Zenithal priming, it's just, I'm a simple creature, man. I'm a very simple creature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do find the army painter paints were good for that. Yeah. I did right. some forest shamblers earlier in the year and just doing a Zenithal dry brush army painter thin down. Um, brown covers most of the model pretty well. Yeah. And lets okay. those highlights show through. and. Yeah, wasn't looking think, for it to be anything more than a speed paint project, so yeah. it just sort of was done without an extra highlight. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think they can still come up nice for sure. Yeah, I um, at first i I didn't think I was getting the reactivation thing that a lot of people talk about with the army painter paints, but I think it's because when I was highlighting, I was highlighting up in the same color spectrum, you know, mm. so. And I think what most people talk about with the reactivation is mostly that it just bleeds through a little bit. And so I wasn't quite realising that that was probably happening and just dulling the highlight layer because I tried it on something else and it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it does happen because I just highlight over in um, in I, I love my Vallejo paints usually. So Yeah, but they're um, pretty watery. <clears throat> mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, yeah, I find the Vallejo paints, like I don't even, if I use a wet palette, I usually don't even have to thin them a lot. Yeah. So, and that's probably, you know, where I didn't find a big issue. But, yeah, no. So back to contrast for me and I find, although it's it's interesting, isn't it? They're just between ranges, they do the colours slightly differently. So I do have some preference in the Army Painter range. but Yeah, I'd speak mm. and choose. You know, there's a good brown here. There's a good purple there, you know. Yeah. Hundred percent. There's that shish purple, awful. Yeah. If you ever use that contrast one, whoa. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I think I've got that somewhere, but uh, yeah, I can't remember what I used it for. I think I bought. I think I originally bought contrast because I wanted to do add to my undead more quickly. <laughs> yeah. And then like that kind of thing is perfect for like like what you were talking about, Matt. Bit quicker and dirtier. Right, so we haven't had you guys on before, so we uh, the listeners haven't heard your hobby origin stories. Uh, Matt, Matt, do you want to let us know? Well, first, how you got into tabletop gaming in general, and kind of where you came from with that, and then finding Kings of War. Yeah, no worries. So I started way back when with a bit of a different game to everyone else, the Middle Earth strategy battle game. I know another Games Workshop one, but. Everyone else seems to be fantasy or 40K, but Lord of the Rings was a big thing in my circle of friends. We jumped on that pretty quick and 
It's probably the usual style that everyone else says. Got into it early high school, fell out of it towards the end. Um, swapped into 40k at some point during that, though, and a few other games, Workshop ones. Blood Bowl um, was another one we played a bit of. But, yeah, like everyone does, dropped off at the end of high school, dropped off through uni, and then I had just finished up a contract had a bit of money in my pocket while I was unemployed and looking for work. Bought a secondhand 40k army off Gumtree and went, all right, well, I've got some time. Let's get back into it. And then, yeah, a few of my friends still had theirs. Same friends from high school, actually. Got back in, played a few games with that again. And yeah, sort of just jumped back into the whole world of it. And then that led to, well, it's a bit of a joint story now with me and JP because we both work in the same place and we both got introduced to Kings of War from Australian master painter Dan Bird um, who had also got a job in the same building and I walked in one morning and saw him in our office looking up the uh, Indominus box for must have been 9th edition 40k. Mm, uh, 2020. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we had a chat about that, talked about playing. He's like, I don't play 40K. I'm just looking at it. But here's this other game I do play, Kings of War. Hadn't heard of it, talked a bit about it, sort of forgot about it. And I don't know, a couple of weeks later, he's like, hey, my friend is running this tournament. It's beginner friendly. I'll lend you an army. Come along. And I did. Borrowed his Leagues of Roydia army. Got destroyed in, I think, every game, but um, had a blast and sort of stuck with it ever since. Yeah, awesome. And do you think like as a lot of people do, you, you've gone through fantasy and sci-fi and back to fantasy is, I mean, it sounds like fantasy was your first love. I mean, I, I love the middle-earth strategy game as a, as a game. I just think it's so um, cinematic is probably the best word mm-hmm. um, in terms of the rule set. Is, is that the fantasy that holds the real pull for you, Matt? Ah. Yeah, fantasy's always been the thing that I liked. But when you're at that age, all your friends want to play sci-fi games. You just get dragged along. We were in a country town um, in Victoria. There's not really any options to play outside of, you know, Garage Hammer. And you're young enough Mm -hmm. that you can't get anywhere to go to a games workshop or a local hobby store or anything like that. Yeah. So it really is just playing whatever your friends want to play. And in this case, it was 40K. So Yeah, I definitely work in the wrong place. It's, uh, you know, most of the time I, I get nerds, but usually sports-obsessed nerds in my field. So, you know, like that. <laughs> More prepared Boyish to, ones. you know, pull on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I try and do it all, but, you know, come back to true nerdism is my real love. Exactly. And what about... Uh, what about you, JP? There was a bit of overlap there, but what about the the origin origin story of uh, before you lost the Jackson? <laughs> well, yeah, um, <laughs> I've spoiled a few things there now, um, but yeah, we we know the ending where it's going to end. Um, but it, I started also in a, a country town in Victoria, Australia, and uh, what was happening there was yeah, forty k. I start, I was at primary school, and there were, happened to be one really nerdy teacher who would run a like a forty k painting session. And he would he would literally just give you models, and you know these were, I think those second edition Space Marines. I don't know they were the, you know they just standing there with the gun right against their chest. But yeah, so painting miniatures, and I'm like, hey, this is this is pretty fun. So I think I got like into Tau. It was my first army in 40k, and 
yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, Matt shaking his head. You don't don't want to be playing Tao. Uh, yeah, and then I went to Eldar, which is even like some. I think it's worse. Um, but yeah, and then I started getting into fantasy um, just at the start of high school because at that time, forty k was pretty simple, and then fantasy was like the the big boy game, you know. So you want, when you want to grow up and eat your Big Mac, that's what you have is the Warhammer Fantasy. So I got into High Elves and I don't know where they've gone, but yeah. And then over just, I just bounced between the two all the way up until end of high school. Then yeah, as Matt says, it's just this phenomena where you suddenly think you don't have time during uni for wargaming when actually that's the most time you'll ever have in your life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. stupid. But anyway, so I didn't do anything until... Uh, I think it was then I started my PhD and, you know, PhD people are generally quite nerdy and a few of them have found out were into Warhammer Fantasy. So, it was 2014, 2015, let's get into fantasy and guess what happened in 2015? It disappeared. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I tried the Age of Sigma with my same miniatures and, you know, everyone remembers that first rule set that came out was uh, very lackluster. And especially compared to all the amazing stuff we were getting in the end times books and stuff, it was just like, oh, oh, well, I guess this isn't my hobby anymore. So I stopped doing it. And um, yeah, I only got back into 40K properly when, yeah, I started going to my current workplace. And I don't know how we got onto it. Maybe he was looking at something. I don't know. But we decided to start playing some games in the city of Melbourne. So we'd go after work, play a few times there. And then we found out about yeah, Daniel Bird, our fellow co-worker at the time, who then told us about Kings of War and, hey, I get to use my old fantasy miniatures that I dropped in 2015. So, um, But now I don't use them anymore. Now I just use Mantic stuff because uh, it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, and so to confirm, yeah, you're not, you're not playing on the, uh, on the science tables in the lab. No, no, not, no we not never quite got well, that. There was a time where we tried, where we wanted we to. Did. Yeah, yeah, especially in lockdowns. Yeah. You the, couldn't play in anywhere. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so you both PhDs? Uh, no, no, I'm just he, masters. He was, he's he's actually smart. He didn't do a PhD. I was the sensible one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but but JP, that makes you a real doctor, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly, you know, exactly. The original, Jackson. the original Dr. doctor. Fuller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. And uh, both of you guys, well, uh, JP, you didn't attend the last Clash of Kings, and in my show notes, I said lame, but you know. Yeah, very, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had a very good reason. You know, it Chinese was the same year time year as Chinese New Year, literally. Yeah, yeah. I get yep. it. Um, but did you hear the current UK master? He managed yeah, it. Yeah, he managed it, mate. So anyway. But Matt, did you want to tell us about your experience? I think that was your second, wasn't it? I think you both, did you both make it the year before or was it three years ago for you? No, JP? no, just the year before. Yeah, just the year before. Mm. Yep. And so Matt, second time round. You know how was it, how was your experience? Yeah, it was it was great. Had a blast again. You know, go up, stayed up with the shed boys. As you know, mm-hmm. they're always good value. Um, also brought one of my friends who played forty k with in high school. We you know stayed in touch and stayed friends. Convinced him to borrow an army and come along. He'd been to one of Mike Crossman's events and we played a few ambush games. So he came up to play his like. Yeah, well, the tournament was basically 50% of the Kings of War he'd ever played. Um, oh, who was that? Uh, that was Matters, Daniel Matters, if you oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. remember yep. his name. But, yeah, had a good time, brought the Varanger up. I've been playing them for most of the year before. And, yeah, I liked the list. I was 
written about it on Goonhammer, which I guess we'll get into soon, but I didn't quite get the models I had wanted to arrive in time. So I was playing what I thought was pretty good, but slightly less than what I had wanted to bring, you know, come to win and all that, but, or at least I wanted to win half my games, which, you know, spoiler alert, we did, and I did end up managing. And yeah, I mean, it's just a good time up there, right? Everyone's there in a good mood to play Kings. Everyone's great and friendly. Um, the space you guys have got is excellent. The food is amazing. That cafe is just the best tournament food around as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then, yeah, played a bunch of great people. Got or a few games I got knocked by the dice, but um, I also hit poor Aussie really hard with that in reverse there. Um, everything went my way. Nothing went his um the Geelong boys there did a did a recap of that um, on their on I think it's Richard's YouTube channel. Mm, um, yes, if you guys yeah, watch yeah, that for, um, yeah. Roll the dice. Yep, yep, that's it, and mm. just a great time, really. You know, mm. definitely coming back next year. I don't mind too much if it's Chinese New Year again. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you prefer JP to stay at home, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It didn't like the drive oh, up no, with me. Be- yeah, I need my teammate there. We've got to we've got yeah. to represent. Yeah, we've got chance and everything. I can't handle the pressure. Yeah. Have we looked yeah. ahead? When when's Chinese New Year next year? Oh, it's like February. It, it won't happen. It won't, oh, nice. it won't overlap. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't know why it took me by surprise last year. I was like, oh. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, there were there were people two weekends before that had got the weekend wrong, and not just as in like just the dates wrong because I think normally. Normally it coincides with a public holiday, yeah, but the yeah. public holiday I think was it, not bang in the middle but one side and people weren't quite sure which way, which weekend it was on. Got to read the um, pack. Yeah, I know. Like I think Michael Michael Clark two weekends before I said, oh, I said, oh, so you're, you're moving house on Clash of Kings Day. And he's like, what? And I said, <laughs> Yeah, oh. it's on, and he's like, "Oh no, I thought it was another." <laughs> um, but he managed to put off moving the house and came to Clash of Kings, so that was <laughs> priorities. That's the way. Yeah. Just yeah. left the van there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, as we've mentioned a couple of times, you know, at the intro, and uh, Matt, you uh, alluded to it. There is you. You boys are both involved with Goonhammer, uh, which is. A, you know, quite a popular website for tabletop gaming. Can you tell us a little bit more about Goonhammer for those that don't know? And and like, I mean, from what I can see, it's a very large site with lots of content. So tell us maybe a little bit about the site as a whole and, and how you guys became involved. Well, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, it, it really is, to begin with, it was just a 40K website. And, you know, us being 40K players, it's kind of the the place where you'd read some, you know, some, funny stuff and then also some meta analysis kind of things it was uh and it was all written in a very kind of professional way i guess you know because it's, it's not a blog style they have heaps of authors for all different kinds of stuff so you have a so i guess that was how we saw it at first and then um they started branching out into other stuff approaching to 2019 2020 and then it was i think it was uh, actually matt that came up with the idea like pretty much i don't know how he three months after we started learning Kings of War. He's like, yeah. why don't we write for Goonhammer? I'm like, well, uh, I don't think we should. Well, all right, because I mean, why would why would we 
right for Guhammer. But yeah, we asked them and then they said yes. Yeah, okay. So it was as simple as that. Basically, starters fans see something that they haven't got and you just reached out. Yeah, I mean, they wanted to make sure we could actually write. So what, you have to do like a, what was it, a romantic novel that you submitted or, you know, would you? Yes, JP's yes. thesis. <laughs> I, did, I did the first time. I don't think they liked that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, at that point the site was branching out and instead of just being a sort of Games Workshop specific site and moving into loads of tabletop and tabletop adjacent things, Magic the Gathering, board mm. games, video games, books, historicals, um, just basically everything. It's like, well, you know, we're getting into Kings of War. Wouldn't this be an interesting sort of chronicle as a start at the beginning? This is why we, you know, like the look of the game. Here's our journey through to becoming somewhat okay at the game. And, I mean, I love reading battle reports and that sort of thing. So it was like, well, you know, I'm the audience. Write what I want to see. Let's give it a crack and see if they'll take us. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't think that's too different to how I became involved in Countercharge, except I'd heard Mark Zielinski talking about, you know, wanting to have, I think, more people from around the world. And I just said, oh, I can do that. You know, did one lot of recording at Clash of Kings and then I was in. I'm, I'm not even sure he ran it past the other guys at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then people have been stuck with me ever since, you poor bastards, right? <laughs> and do you know what kind of viewership Goonhammer gets? Like not necessarily specifically your stuff, but how much traffic it's getting like a week or a month? Do we have any idea on that? Uh, yeah, I had a look before. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we had one of our articles will get uh, about a 1,000 sort of page views, which yep. uh, over its sort of lifetime, which you know, Peter's off in about a month, the page will get something like a million hits a week. Wow. Um, like the homepage there, the 40K stuff does crazy numbers, like mm. um, a start competing or, you know, faction introduction sort of article or codex review will get in the 150,000 sort of hits. Um, wow. And that's each of them. And then the like overview for ninth edition stuff has got over a million that loading page. So we make up a very small part of the overall site. Yeah, but at the same time, that represents like massive opportunity, right? I mean, I, I, I was exactly. actually, yeah, it just, um, just reminds me as I thought of before when you guys is, were talking and I think it was something about COVID. I, f- I feel like, oh, and I think, JP, it was about you talking about first edition AOS. I mean, I, I have a little bit of trouble believing that the game has grown that much and is that much better when you've got like a constant release schedule. But I I feel like that we're actually seeing just a massive resurgence in tabletop gaming in general because AOS is growing, 40K seems to be growing, like Song of Ice and Fire is huge. Obviously it helps that it's, you know, tied to the most popular TV show ever in the world. <laughs> You know, Mantic does at face value seem to be growing in certain parts of the world. Like, look at Clash of Kings under Steve Hildrew, sold out now at 150 tickets, which Crazy. you know will be the biggest in the biggest we've seen. I I just feel like that tabletop gaming is resurging, and I, I like I wonder what 
what drives that, whether it is, I don't know, world being a bit more progressive, you know, embracing wider hobbies, embracing arts a little bit. I, I don't know. What, do, do you guys do you guys think that's that's right, that we're seeing a resurgence in tabletop gaming? Oh, yeah, yeah I definitely time. think so. The amount of board game stuff that's growing as well, like what used to – and D&D, you know, mm. that took off over COVID. There's now like a full Hollywood motion picture for it where years ago you'd get bullied out of the room for suggesting it. Oh, it helps when you've got YouTube videos of Vin Diesel doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess 40K, Henry Cavill. Yeah, I I think there does seem to be a lot more comfort in people now in talking about their their hobbies, which maybe were, you know, previously maligned, which is which is interesting. Good, but 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 interesting. Yeah, yeah, I find it. Um, yeah, I think it's good for gaming, and like you said, board games becoming massive again. Maybe is perhaps some of the gateway. Yeah, especially they, yeah. they often they come with little miniatures, you know, quite good ones now. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. I've um, I mean, obviously not a board game, more of a miniatures, the dungeon crawler. I've just backed that on Kickstarter. I don't know if you guys have um checked that oh. out. What they call oh yeah, the minis. Saga Origins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I also ordered Judgment, which you guys probably heard on the Clash of Kings episode from the from the Galea brothers partnering with uh, Creature Caster. Uh, which is obviously not quite a board game, but just a smaller game that can be done quickly. So, you know, I hope to entice people maybe into a love of miniatures via some smaller version games. Yeah, yeah you know, you start with, start with a board game and then you pull out this slightly more complicated little miniature game and it's like, hey, it's yeah. half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> You've had your little taste of heroin now. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a multi-base. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so with, with the with the site, what's the main kind of content that you guys are producing? Well, I mean, we can mix for us. Yeah, it's definitely a mix because, I mean, since it's just us writing this one Kings of War column, it comes out, you know, once a fortnight. So we fill that slot and it's really we write what we want to write. We, we very rarely force ourselves to write anything we don't want to write. Um so, like, it'll be what's maybe something news come out or it will be, uh, yeah, we're attending some kind of tournament or even tactic stuff. We now feel more comfortable writing tactics things, whereas at the start it just mm. felt like we were kind of aping what people would say and just be like, oh, yes, this is how you do a corkscrew charge, whereas now we could actually say whether that's a good idea or not. Yeah, and and do you have a preferred because, like, you do, I think you write articles, right, and, like, written uh, written accounts, I guess, of battle, but then you've also got some video battle reports as well. Oh, yeah, that's just me. I just do. I just do battle reports for my YouTube. <laughs> I just yeah, do, right. I have that's, a YouTube channel. That's his other side gig. Ah, yeah. right. So that's not actually part part of Good Hammer. I must just say. No, I just happen to be just, the same guy posting I it. I just assume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. playing in. I don't know the third of them. So yeah, you get, exactly. You get a bit of screen yeah, time. So technically, you both do them. Yeah, yeah, you see his exactly. Night Stalkers, his Varanger, you get his new Night Stalkers. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Twilight Kin when I when they finally release. Yeah, what do you find the reach on those, JP? I know, I mean, listeners have heard before, I think for us, I mean, and part of it is regularity, but also probably picking the right topics. But YouTube hasn't been such a big thing for us. And, you know, certainly I think probably when it comes to Kings of War, um, Steve Hilder is probably the most successful 
I think. Yeah. Uh, Kings yeah, of War specific. Like what, what's your kind of reach on, on your personal bat reps? Yeah. I mean, in the first few days now, my, my bat reps get about 300 to 400 views. And uh, some of the, yeah, yeah. And usually over the, by about three to four months later, they get up to about a thousand. So unless it's just people rewatching them all the time or something. Um, I know my yeah. wife does have a couple, so it could just be her <laughs> making me feel better. She says, she says supportive. Yeah. <laughs> Got a little app going on repeat. But no, no, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, that is good. I mean, I, I think from the couple of times I've been um, involved with the Dash 28 videos, I think I, I think that's reasonably equitable with theirs actually. Um, I, I could be wrong, and probably lifetime they probably get a little bit more than that. Yeah, that that that's that's pretty decent reach, I think. I often wonder about, you know, how do we grab a bigger audience? I, the the podcast seemed to go really well. Like, I mean, yeah, the individual s- subscribers isn't really that accurate a number, but I think we were edging towards thirty thousand per episode, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I've I've found and and even with Steve's, it's not like we're talking in the tens, you know, in the thousands necessarily. Maybe a couple of thousands. I think I don't. I wonder if there's something different about the Kings of War community or something that's not as invested in video or something. Ah, uh, well, I you know I obviously look into what happens for YouTubers a lot, and you can see the guys that do multiple systems. It'll f- wax and wane depending exactly on the system that they're mentioning in the video. So mm-hmm. you know, I think it was. Um, was a blackjack legacy or something he said if he puts a, something that says warhammer in it it'll be like nuts it'll go great like always over yeah. a thousand ten thousand and then if he doesn't have it in there it'll be middling or terrible um and i think i think was it the i think it was the that new channel the painting phase i don't know if you've watched them that's where um what is it's where peachy the painter from he went to this painting phase after he quit games workshop uh-huh. Anyway, they they just do big podcast chats about all kinds of stuff. But they said that also, if um if you don't mention Warhammer, you don't get a good video. So it's almost like the Warhammer curse, they call it, where you have to have the the Warhammer to get the views. So yeah, yeah, right. That's um, and it's, and it's interesting. And I mean, you can never quite tell what a video is going to be about these days with clickbait titles, right? So <laughs> oh yeah, I could put, I could put Warhammer in every one of mine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Why I hate Games Workshop, but then it's all about why they love Games Workshop, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The one thing they don't like is actually a thing they like. Yeah, it's too perfect. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And do you, do you guys, in terms of that content, like are you more into the gaming side rather than the narrative side? Like what what, what do you prefer to write about? Um, I go f- I prefer to write what I like to read, and that is battle reports, tournament reports. I'll listen to them on podcasts. I still listen to 40K tournament reports and battle reports, and I don't play that game and haven't for a couple of years now. But I just engage with that side of it quite a bit. The The tournament reports are also easier to write because you can just tell a thing that has happened. You know, you make it interesting and all that, but it's – it's not like you need to write, draw out a nice diagram of this is exactly how this charge distance need to move so you get the perfect angle and dodge through, you know, however the enemy's positioned. So they're also easy to write, which is handy when you're on a bit of a deadline. Oh, yeah. But obviously being in Australia, we don't have all these big fancy tournaments. And, I mean, we, we could just cover every one of Mike Crossman's events, but I'm not sure people in America would really be 
finding that all that interesting as, as fun as we would have writing them. So, yeah, we have to intersperse it with other stuff. So, in between Convic and Clash of Kings being the big ones in Australia, at least that we can get to, um, yeah, so we have, that's why we also write other stuff. But I, I like writing because, uh, I mean, I wrote a thesis, so uh, it's kind <laughs> of drilled into me anyway. Um, so, I find it really easy to just smash out a, a, you know, a, few, a thousand words on the train home or something. And so, that's usually when I get the writing done is on the train. I just write out whatever it is we're working on, unless it's a battle report, in which case then, yeah, Matt's definitely writing those better than I am. Yeah, it's funny. I think battle battle reports is one of the first things I remember loving from Warhammer even as a kid, but like the old school white dwarf ones that had, oh, yeah. um, you know, the the letter of the of the unit on it basically and and they stopped doing it in that way after a while and I actually lost my love of white dwarf when that happened. Mm. I, uh yeah, it was uh, it was one of my favourite bits, and I'd probably yeah, it'd be the first thing I'd consume in the in the magazine. That's for sure. Yeah, it was such good. I'd stories. read all them. I'd not even understand the game system they're talking about, and still mm. be like, "Yep, that's what I'm reading." That's and I, I think that's the thing. I think it was also probably because it was part of a world you understood, right? Which is where Mentic's heading. But you know, they just they just had all that behind them yeah i just wish it was easy to produce battle reports you know like dave and i have all those ones that we had done and it just even just the formatting takes forever <laughs> like it's it's not easy to do yeah well it takes me forever anyway yeah i've been having a constant battle with the new website on you know being able to set up a template to get it done and i think my brother's been teaching himself website design i'm going to let him take it over <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Again, my Just classic like, outsourcing. Do you do anything yeah. yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. You know, that's a, and you know, that's the point of having, you know, a dozen, fifteen, twenty staff, you know, it's just it's re- resource allocation is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was in Arnold Schwarzenegger's economics book. So yeah, you must have read that. Yeah. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> And so being content creators yourself, do you get much opportunity to consume other content? Like what, what's your preferred mediums and go-tos when, you, when you're consuming it? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I like watching lots of YouTube. So I usually have – I think I have all the Kings of War like YouTubers and ones that do some Kings of War stuff and then a bit of extra kind of maybe Games Workshop-y, games workshop-y but I, I've kind of dropped all the 40K stuff. But, yeah, so most of my Kings of War content is through – YouTube and then got the podcast here and pretty much every other podcast I've subscribed to. I do try and read, but there's not as much, you know, there's Dash 28 and then there's, um, you know, some blogs out there that will publish their battle reports or their army progress. And yeah, I like to read those as well. So maybe I just try and do everything. It's all podcast. Well, it's not all podcasts. Podcasts are the top for me. Um, Just being able to zone out, listen to them whenever Whenever no one needs to talk to me at work, I can just whack the headphones on and get an hour or two of good Kings of War content. I also like watching the videos, and but reading is the other one that I like. But again, like JP said, there's just not a whole lot of written content out there. Yeah, doing more written content is like something I'm always drawn towards. Like I've I've had stories for my halflings and my salamanders and things just in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do a blog on that or I'll do a blog on tracking my progress, but it just never happens. I think part of it is because I don't have a train ride, JP. 
you know. That's the beautiful thing about Canberra. It's 15 minutes to everywhere, you know. I I drive 15 minutes and I'm parked directly under my building, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're not wasting time. But by being forced to waste time, that's how yeah. I get my productivity. But I, I, I think it, yeah, it'd be good. I mean, I'm, I think on the on the new site for Kings of War in Australia, it'd be nice if we just get some other people contributing, I think, because I think some more written content would be good. It's one of those ones two people can consume a little bit more secretly at work too, right? You don't have to have mm-hmm. it on your screen. Yeah. One yeah. extra tab. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and so tell us, a, tell us a little bit more about the time I, I alluded to it, it takes to produce something for the site. You know, I think a lot of people would be surprised about how long it takes. I mean, JP, you said you're pretty good at punching out a thousand words on the train ride home. But what about things like the the battle reports and, and Matt, you know, what's it taking you to put out, you know, a, a recollection of a, a tournament or whatever? Oh, the the two-day ones especially take ages going back through all the photos to remember exactly what happened and then trying to make that a nice summary, not overly wordy, but still trying to get the point across and hit all the important details and then also not be too in your own head and too vague about what's happened. It's a it's a hard balance to hit. So it's it's quite time-consuming in that sense. I mean... I don't think it's nearly as much as the videos, JP, but. Yeah, but then I don't need to think about the narrative. I just say what happens. It's a bit easier. I can just talk to it. But yeah, uh, yeah, the battle reports definitely because you've got to try and think of what's worth conveying. You know, you don't want it to read like a universal battle, like the text that pops up. You don't want that. You've got to make it into actually like we remember those fun stories where it's like, oh, you know, the guy blocks and, you know, bloody takes a thousand hits or something and, you know, that's what you want. You want it to be fun. And my, most of our listeners wouldn't get this, but, you know, it's what the, the great cricket commentator Richie Benno used to say is you should only say what adds to the picture, you know. Don't just describe the picture. You know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Otherwise, we, we take photos. We could just show you photos. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was – um. It was interesting. One of the one of the ones I found easiest to consume was Tim in Victoria. He doesn't go to all the tournaments. There's a Tim, and you, it was probably before your time. Actually, he used to prov- um, produce um, relatively simple battle reports that was essentially screenshots of well, photos of a game with just a, a few arrows and and things over the top. And you know, they were nice and nice and quick and really good. T, I think his his Facebook name T L Huggins. Something like that. Oh, yeah, I've seen sure. it around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, and with Goonhammer, what is the process? So, like you mentioned that you had to show them that you could write, um, and I think you've said it sounds like what there's a basically you have to produce something every couple of weeks. Is that right? We've got a spot every two weeks, yeah. So basically we, we give them a pitch for an idea. If they like it, we get the go-ahead. Um and then, yeah, just try and keep stuff coming out regularly. That's the more important thing. So we generally get to do whatever we want to do, you know, as long as we can meet their quality standards that uh, that the website has. Um, yeah, there's not, not much to it. I mean, we work on a we work on a Google Doc at first, and then we up, upload it to the to the WordPress. And it's only once we've really polished it 
and got all the images and the splash image and everything ready to go. Then we submit it for review. And then one of the administrators will usually just, I, I'm not sure how much they check it, but because I mean, how can you read a whole other game system very easily? But, you know, I assume they just go through and just look for, is it look sloppy? Is it full of acronyms? Cause that's generally, there's a, f- a few rules that they have. It's like, they don't want it just full of jargon and acronyms that just make it completely opaque. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there is like a, for basically every piece, there's a theoretically a, a write and then edit process by someone who's, I was going to say independent. I guess they're not really independent, are they? But you know, it's, um, yeah, not, not you guys. <laughs> yes. Someone in America. Yeah. Okay. And, and at the moment it seems that, uh, Kings, well, and understandably when it's got that kind of reach, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have a massive place on the side. I think, uh, I'd have to go back to it again because we originally planned to do this show about a month ago before um, before my home life turned to shit for a while. I think it's under like other fantasy games or, or something like that. Do, do, you, do you see much opportunity for that developing over time with it being a primarily you know, 40K first site? It would be nice to, but I think the the reach and the numbers that the 40K and other games workshop games get is just so much higher than what we can sort of hit that it will it'll remain a games workshop focused site simply because that's what the people want to read well and i assume there's some sort of revenue that's derived from that as well i'd imagine yes there is ad revenue and and there's a patreon but mostly it is ad revenue and that pays for the servers mostly i think the servers are quite expensive because as we mentioned there's a lot of a lot mm. of people coming to the site. But, yeah, I mean, as long as we can keep writing high-quality content and everyone wants to keep reading it, you know, you never know. If Kings takes off massively, if, um, you know, the rest of the Mantic games get up there in viewership and people, other people want to write about them, like you can hit, hit the guys up and pitch your own ideas like we did and... Oh yeah, we're not. The, we don't have to be the only writers. The Goonhammer, other people can send. So I think the the guy who runs it, his name is another Rob. It's, it's, whoever's in charge of co- content creation seems to be named Rob. Um, so yeah, if you if you got like something that you could write really well, maybe you are really good at the the tactic stuff. They'll yeah, they'll they'll usually take you in. Um, and you know, you'll start off as like a guest column, and then it can progress from there. But I think yeah, as Matt alluded to, as as the game gets popular, we will essentially ride that wave. So if, if more people are clicking on it because Kings of War is more popular, then we'll get a bigger place. And and I think that's, that is on the horizon because, yeah, we've got these new sculpts with the ogres and we've seen the stuff from the Dungeon Saga Origins. Like, if, if that's going to be the sign of all the next miniatures that Mantic will ever release, I think it's going to be a lot of more people will look at it because that was obviously a lot of people acknowledged Kings of War is a great game, but the next line you'd hear from a lot of people that love games workshop, but they're like, Oh, but the miniatures, you know? Um, mm. But I, I think that narrative's starting to change. Yeah. And I, I think the move into Poland for their plastics is, it feels like it's really going to pay off. Cause I think they're going to be able to move away somewhat from the resin, which obviously the cost just kept increasing and increasing for them. And not, not that they ne- necessarily need to stay as an affordable alternative, particularly if their quality comes up, but 
whilst their individual stuff got quite a bit more expensive, I think there's still been massive value in their boxes, you know, their mega army and, and army boxes. And and like you say, JP, with things like the ogres and um, what we'll see next from the night stalkers and things like that, uh, night stalkers, I guess, probably not quite as relevant because it's not as, um, uh, you can, not as translational to say, uh, games Workshop games or the Ninth Age, but you know, I think cool. there's still, yeah, yeah, and there's still, I think, a market opportunity to provide alternative miniatures as well as miniatures for Kings of War, right? Definitely. I mean, even just something like the Phoenix, like the Phoenix is awesome. Oh yeah, you just know, I, I found all their resin monsters are actually really nice to put together, and yeah, I agree. I think I've had a a few, I uh, a few joining issues, but um. Uh, but in, in the main, I think their res- resin stuff is really, really crisp. And so if the community did want to kind of get on board with with trying to push that content out, I guess the main way is to get the eyeballs on it or, you know, if there's someone who's a, a good writer and has too much time on their hands, you know, put their hand up to either write about Kings or another Mantic game and just push the, the Mantic narrative forward, I guess. Yeah, if you're like me, yeah. you're stuck on a train, write something. <laughs> There's been some interest in the Discord in Armada, so potentially that's something that could be coming out if there's a um, a few more people that want to see that sort of content. Maybe someone will get a kick up the bum to start doing it. Yeah, I mean, and and a good a good game without with without really a natural competitor, right? And and with good models and like the new Trident Realm stuff just looks awesome. Oh. At the moment, the um, Kings of War part of the Goonhammer Discord is mostly dominated by people going, look at these Empire of Dust ships, look at these Trident Realm mm. uh, monsters. They're looking great and people seem to be keen for it. But. Yeah, I think it's, um, I, no, I've, I've only played it once and I've got a fleet from Basalia. Yeah, it's just, I'm just not a multi-game guy at the moment, but but it is like I love I love the models. And, of course, yeah, you might have heard the, the Ronnie episode with Rob recently talking about, you know, that's going to be their first foray into STLs along with the upgrade bits, which thank Christ, Ronnie, because the upgrade prices are bloody ridiculous, right? Yeah, and like you said, when you want to do a horde, it's just like, oh, you do the first Mm. rank and then the rest are just (laughs) no upgrades. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I had to have two vasectomies just so I could (laughs) try and sell off one of my testes to pay for it. That's a hard look. Oh. On its way to China right now. <laughs> yeah, I think we we kind of covered this. I, I just had a question about like I I assumed that the front page of the the Goonhammer stuff mostly will be dominated by potentially advertising or or whatever's going to generate that red ad revenue. So the only the only way to change that really is is eyeballs on the page. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the way to do it. Um, or get Mantic to give them a big wad of cash. If they want to give us some new models to to review, we'll definitely do that. <laughs> Mate, if I'm yet to see a new model, hey, are you yeah, newcomers, yeah. if you bloody get a new model, I'll be dirty, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All, all, all Roddy gives me is sly winks and, you know, yeah. um, sexy talk. That's about it. No new models for me. Just pillow talk, that's all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And... Do any of the other contributors that you know of maybe that aren't writing about it play Kings of War? Well, there's, a, there's a few others that are definitely interested. 
I don't know if they're plagues. We don't know them. They're all the way in America. But there's always people that pop up in there because we have a Discord and one of them is just for Kings of War stuff. And yeah, there's a few people that just suddenly be like, oh, that's awesome. And, you know, so yeah, there's definitely interest. But I don't know about players. I think we're probably the only regular players. I hate Discord so much. Yeah, just. <laughs> You've mentioned it a couple of times now and then I just, yeah, I feel like I die inside every time I, you know. Like I, it's got a lot of positives, right, in terms of being able to keep track of things. But man, I just find it another thing that you've just got to keep track of. And, it's another thing you, you open know. when you turn on your computer. Yeah. Like, oh, yep. Servers within servers. Yeah. I can't get it to stop bloody opening on my computer every time I load it up. <laughs> I don't know how that keeps happening. Yeah. Tell us, tell us more about your love affair with Kings of War. Like, you, you went through with the origin stories that you'd played other things and, you know, Matt, for you, it was first um, Middle Earth and JP, for you, it was 40K. Well, what is it about Kings that has, I guess, got those hooks in for you? It was such a crisp, easy-to-learn, hard-to-master rule set, right? Like we did go play our first games at a tournament and, I mean, like I said, I got stomped a lot, but it wasn't it wasn't a difficult game to to pick up and play. It was just difficult to see the intricacies of how everything fit together. Like Dan gave me a list and I'm like, now nah, I'm gonna write my own list. And doing that, I went through, saw all the stuff he had put there and went, okay, this this unit looks good. This is this is the item Dan's put on it. What does that do? Ah, okay, I can see why that is there and what makes that good. It's a game you can't lose in the list building stage is another thing. We had a couple of 40K games that I'd set up with friends. We'd go play, we'd deploy on the table. We'd look at it and go, all right, you're going to win this one. How can we mm. sort of make the game more entertaining from that place of it's sort of already decided? When that it's it's a real tough one to come up with a Kings of War list that is you know reasonably balanced that blows a game out like that. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty much the same. It's the is that rule set, and it was that hard shift because we were just at the as a during twenty twenty while we we're all in lockdown, we were playing on Tabletop Simulator forty k, and you know these games would take forever like you know we'd have to set aside five hours six hours it takes so long to play and and then that might still be just getting to turn four you know and that's when it's all over because someone's just blown out they've got way more points they've killed everything something like that and then that really rarely happens in kings of war you get to play the game like that's that's what you want to do you want to turn up put your army down and actually play a game the six turns you put aside two three hours of your life and you get to actually play a game right to the end not get halfway through and realize it was yeah, never had a chance from the start anyway or just because the other guy got first turn, it's all over. And that just happened too many times. And I think it's a game that the vast majority of time, like you you can feel like you're up against it but you're still in it, you know, that like mm. you can have a really bad turn and you're like, bloody hell, you know, how do I win from here? But you can still... Like in one turn, it can swing back your way, and you and you and you're right back in it. I think that's what I really. I even found that like ambush is so swingy. But we had a 500 <laughs> point tournament here recently, and it was even that. Like I just hung my phoenix out to dry. There was one unit I hadn't checked, 
you know, and got flanked and taken off turn two. And but I was still able to battle back for the draw at the end. Like you can just, as as long as you're, you know, smart about it from from a point of where maybe you are behind, you you can often drag it back. Yeah, it's the it's rewarding the smart plays. You get yeah. a bit lucky with a with a high nerve roll when you need it, or or your opponent gets unlucky and double ones you, and yeah. and suddenly you're back in it again. Yeah, hundred percent. Is there anything you dislike about the game? Uh, at the moment, for me, I think it is the strength of the square base monster. The nimble square base monster, you mean? Yeah. Or just square in general? Just well, yeah. The square in general, the mm. the nimble pivot into something that's sticking out slightly. It's you know Tracy's style of list where it's three Snow Troll Primes and Krufnir and a Lord on Frostfang and two Thanes on Frostfang. And, you know, the unlocks for that, where to me it doesn't really look like an army. You know, I want to see some big blocks of infantry, a unit or two of cavalry, a nice monster in the middle there, a hero or two. You know, get that get that army looking like an army. Yeah, so it feels almost a bit um, Monster Hammer-ish to you or Character Hammer, you know, which various editions of Warhammer. Like, obviously not exactly the same, but... You know, it's mm. it's more along those lines for you. Yeah, exactly. I think it was Cac was Berserker bullying me <laughs> off the table. <laughs> oh, yeah, Berserker bullies. Did he, have, did he have? Did he have seven, eight characters or something? Something like that. Three bullies, yeah. a warlord, um, a sergeant. Yep. Did he have a sergeant, sergeant or two warlords? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a sergeant and. A warlock, maybe. Anyway, he just ran them straight at me, and those bullies need a nerf. They've got too many attacks. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. the rest of his army looked like an army, but it, it, you know, he had a giant, big hordes of warriors, which always look cool. But just those ogre heroes, those troll heroes, those little guys that are great at playing scenario and if just a bit too threatening in the flank. That you know, it's a personal dislike too. I don't think it's anything. Yeah, I think probably what's happened is with the change in withdraw and whatever, which limited has limited some ways of doing that. Right, is that there probably hasn't been an appropriate point adjustment to the things that can still do it. So, and yes. particularly in inspiring, and compounded by the fact that a lot of those things that can do what you're talking about also inspire so like you're getting a lot of value for your for your points exactly and and there's definitely a place in the game for that sort of thing it's cool to have those you know a troll horde and his troll monster you know Mm. hero doing their thing together um i think yeah they're just a little overtuned at the moment what about you jp anything you dislike oh it's just just too easy to get into more armies like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i've got i've got six armies on the go and it's just it's always easy to think about oh abyssal dwarves i don't see those very much maybe i should do that oh, that's that's it i mean if I, if I had a a real one i'd probably just like um a bit more variation like scenarios like yeah because I, I think we can all agree that you know that there's roughly three kinds of scenario of the the 12 that we have available if you're not thinking of kill um but maybe like you know some progressive scoring ones or something that just kind of change it up a bit but i know that's mm-hmm. that's really hard to balance because 
yeah, like I've said in 40K, one of the things that was always, I guess, disheartening was when you mathed out across a progressive scoring scenario that the other person has scored so much by turn three, you can't possibly chase mm. up to them. Whereas at least in Kings of War, the scoring at the end means that you, it's not over until it's over. Yeah. And I, and I think you're right about, yeah, the three main types. I mean, that's certainly when I'm picking the scenarios for Kings, the way I look at it, uh, for Clash of Kings, sorry, the way I look at it and try and have a mix of the, the types as well as difficulty. Yeah, because the probably we did have a progressive um, scoring scenario once, but it was probably before your guys' time, I think. And it, I think it was one of the more hated scenarios, actually. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I totally agree there. I, I think... The scenarios are getting a little bit tired. Yeah, well, I mean, we've we've had them for a while now. Um, but you know, like you say, it can't it can't can't be easy to come up with new ones that are going to be balanced. You know, and that's the thing that that other game systems had right is they didn't really worry about the balance. So it's just this will be cool to do. You know, this, yeah. this tells the story, and let's just see what happens. Let's have diagonal deployment zones. That'll be fun to draw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly, you know, but the end result being that you might get people deploy in opposite corners and just never do anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Problem with kill, um, right? I thought, do you know, I really thought hard about including kill this year in Clash because mm. I, I kind of, I think if it's one of six, I don't mind that, but I think there's too many people that do, unfortunately. <laughs> so I didn't want to have to deal with any pushback. But, but I also thought really hard of it because I thought, well, no one would expect it. So it'd be, you know, it's unlikely <laughs> yeah. that someone would have built for it. But yeah, Secret I think scenario. I think it probably, yeah, it does just have that, I guess, the opportunity to feel bad, doesn't it? If you get the wrong matchup. Uh, I think I think they played it at Convic mm. last year, right? And someone just made a square in the back with his abyssal dwarfs and just went, I'm just going to shoot whatever I can, you have to walk across the board to get me. And, you know, admittedly that was just one of those ones where it's like, oh, there really is not much of a chance to do the, anything in that scenario. You, you lose uh, for, for sub matchups, you lose your ability to mitigate, don't you? Mm, yep. Yeah. Although I think that's the, that's the fascinating thing that seems to be the difference between scenes too, doesn't it? You know, we just... Seem to have quite a nice scene here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Two hundred shots. I I, I mean, never see that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think. I think a, a lot of the changes that tend to happen in the game, we're kind of like, oh, all right. Great. Uh, <laughs> what elementals? Didn't yeah. That. yeah. 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 I haven't seen it in a um, stalker unit in a while. And what are you guys looking forward to most in the game as it as it moves forward? Like, so with likely, let's just say, fourth edition's probably a couple of years on the horizon. You know, what are you looking forward to seeing develop in the game? Oh, that's a toughie. I mean, at the moment, I'm most looking forward to the Twilight Kin. The mm. models look like they're going to be sick and with some cool rules. Well, yeah, there. everyone's had a sneak peek um, now, yeah. right, with the Kickstarter, haven't they? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, those... Yep. Big shield guys. Um, can't remember what they were called, but I want units of those. They look impressive. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, I guess what I'm looking forward to is just uh, just seeing what else they can come up with. Because we came into this game already was like pretty cool. So I just want to see what what would be the next iteration of what's already, I think, a great game. Because uh, usually 
it's a bit different in Games Workshop games. When you're looking forward to the next edition, it's because everything's going to shit and it's uh, all just compounded and complex. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we're going to fix it, guys. <laughs> You'll see. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. it all happens it's all over again. Week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in this case, it's not like we're looking for a giant fix. We're just going to wait to be surprised. I, I just don't know what that's going to be like, a Kings of War ch- edition change. What, what, what is it like? Yeah, right. So you you weren't you guys weren't here for second or third. Nah. No. Well, as always, there's lots of gnashing of teeth, right? Yeah. So, okay. It's the same then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's it's similar. I don't think it's I don't think it's quite as bad, but you know, you do um there are people who decide that they can't use their models anymore and that's before they've even tried to use their models and like it's yeah. Uh, thankfully I think we've got a year or two, but yeah. we won't have to deal with it for a while. Yeah, I certainly don't think it's quite as world-ending as in some other systems. Yeah, No one well, set their what? models on fire in protest? No, not yet. Not yet. And if they did, they were probably someone where everyone didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so now I do remember map-based campaign. That's what I want. I want oh, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A map with you know little zones on it, and you can go across and fight different people and get experience for your characters and all that. Yeah, sort it's interesting. I know. Yeah, it's, it's a- interesting. Well, with the, we had that for one of the campaigns where they engaged a company that was doing like it did have hex tiles online, mm. and it was interesting. We were talking before we went on on air, and then it just disappeared. We before we went on air, we were talking about. Unplugged, and I heard Jake say, "Oh, you know, he'd love to work on other design projects." I've, I find it quite amazing that there's not some sort of platform or online resource that allows you to like hex generate some sort of online map. For yeah, for like game. any game system. Yeah, for any game system, right? Because I mean, that would be used in Warhammer, Ninth Age, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Maybe even Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, you make a um, Westeros. Yeah, yeah, that has some sort of. You know terrain features, and and then all you have to do is overlay a rule set, I guess. Um, but that it keeps records of your of your battles or whatever. I, I think it's um, I find it interesting that well, to the best of my knowledge, that that doesn't really exist. And you know, you wouldn't imagine from a coding perspective, it would be that hard then too to like make it flick into sci-fi terrain instead of fantasy-based terrain. You know mm. that it it could be quite applicable. So. Uh, I agree. I think I, I always love the idea of a of a campaign, but I yeah. but I, I also like the idea of visual. And I think online would be my preferred medium in terms of keeping track of it instead of having to have the old tiles out. Oh yeah, we used, we tried the Mighty Empires game, um, build that map out, play it out. But at that point, we didn't actually have any fantasy models or armies to play the battles with so it was just a little Mm. sort of rock paper scissors you know i go advance you go flank oh no that's plus two minus two whatever it was yeah and you mentioned the twilight kin which i guess theoretically they're kind of a dead army but they'll come back to life right Where, where, where do you guys sit on the amount of armies do you think too many not enough they keep making them i'll keep collecting them Yeah. So I can see why they do it. Mm. Just need to cut them down so you don't go broke. Yes, exactly. It's it's fiscally irresponsible that they keep making more armies. Mm. Come on. I'm I'm not sure there's some armies hidden in some of that neuroscience funding. 
you know. <laughs> Sneak into the budget. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I swear, yeah. I swear it went to research. Yeah. <laughs> this 3D printer is definitely not being used by me for other unrelated things. <laughs> I certainly could get a 3D printer for work. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, do you, do you think there's too many, not enough? Like do you think it represents the world well, not well? Yeah, I think there's, for the most part, they're all pretty distinct, except obviously the theme armies, you know, they're not supposed to be as distinct. Um, there are a few that seem a bit weird to have, you know. Rankin Slaves seems like that could just be solved with a Abyssal Dwarf allied Ratkin sort of setup and or a nuke. Forces of Nature might be in a bit of a weird spot too, just being you know, a salamander army and a um, elf Tri- army. Trident realms. A, yeah, sort of mishmash that maybe isn't distinct enough to be its own thing. But I think you could sort of solve some of that with a, you know, a special character in this army unlocks fire elementals for Sylvankin, you know, something along those lines. Well, it's interesting. I think, yeah. I mean, I I actually don't know the genesis of those armies, but I imagine that that at some point it was about being able to sell multiple model, like the same model across multiple armies. But mm. you, you'd imagine we should get less need for that over time if if things like if the narrative was being built. Um. So that's yeah. Because I I guess I'd I think forces of nature had always been one of their more I guess originals. Not the right because I mean. From a concept concept point of view, it's not that original, but it's one of their more yeah. early armies. Um, but yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from with that. It almost feels like it's a mismatch of things that have a better identity elsewhere now. Two, well, three if you count Abyssal Dwarfs, like three dwarf armies, three elf armies. Does is that too many? Too little? I mean, it seems like the Twilight Kin are going such a different direction from the other elves that it really will be super distinct. But to Sylvan Kin, could that just be, a, you know, a few extra bits strapped onto, you know, uh, um, what do you call it, an, un, an ugh, non-unlocking unit in an elf army sort of thing and you just mm. take a couple of them plus your palace guard horde or whatever and suddenly you're playing sylvan kin instead i don't know yeah it's uh, i remember when we we started uh looking at all the armies we just started kings of war in 2021 and i remember trying to figure out like what is a theme army like like i just like is it a different army or and then you know oh actually it uses some units not all the units are there you go to the army the other army list and take a look i mean it's it's simple stuff now but you know when you come from a game where you get your 85 AUD book that has all the army in there. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore, thankfully, because I'm not wasting money on that. I'm buying armies instead. But it's, uh, yeah, I just remember thinking it was, the, especially a few of the factions, it was like, well, there's dwarfs and there's free dwarfs. What's what's the mm-hmm. difference? Could just... Yeah, well, I naturally assumed that they would be marching away from that. But the recent interview with Ronnie suggests maybe not so much that they might just be looking mm. at kits where they can create some sort of variation between the two but keep them. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be good in a place. Yeah, like you say, I think the whole theme army idea, It's I've liked it in some ways, but I think also think it's a bit odd, particularly for new players, you know, 
if they yeah. all had their mm. own distinct identity, that's probably better. Presumably, as Mantic builds the lore, they will move. You know, at least three dwarfs and dwarfs move in different directions. Yeah, well, and I think I think that's probably part of the benefit too of taking away the recommendation for allies because now the RC mm. can kind of focus on maybe creating more individual flavour and not have to worry about that breaking whatever they design. Do you guys have anything extra you want to say about Goonhammer? We've waxed and waned to Goonhammer, off Goonhammer, back to Goonhammer. Like, <laughs> do you have anything you want to say about your uh, about your site? Ah, oh, well, I mean, yeah, we'd, I think we've already said we'd like extra authors. If you if you want to write, talk to. Yeah, I think you just put into the Goonhammer contact. There's just like an email. You just send it to that saying, "I'd like to be an author for." Maybe you don't want to do Kings of War. Maybe you want to do Dead Zone or anything Mantic related. Um, you can just do that. Um, but also, if you just have ideas and you don't want to write, we're also open to ideas. I can write things as long as it's uh, something within my wheelhouse. And if it's not mine, it's usually Matt's. That's that's kind of our how we work. It's like if one person doesn't want to write it as much, someone else can cover it. Like one of us will want to write something. So that's why it's easier as the two people. But, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been fun. And um, we'll just keep trying to go as long as we can. I mean, when they first said, do it every two weeks i'm like well i don't know if i can commit to that but here we are it's uh almost two years later well it's um it's actually interesting like yeah you bring up the other things and there's certainly some uh passionate dead zone players but but i wonder if where we'll see the real growth and the real push forward for mantic is potentially firefight um mm. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of positive talk around firefight um and of course it won that best miniature game from um that other big site who, who did that on table table? So you, you'd imagine that'll drive some eyes on Mantic. So, you know, if there's anyone super passionate about that, I reckon that'd be a good shout and to get eyes on the Mantic brand. Yeah, well, and it also depends. Like, we'll see how this new edition of 40K goes. But if it's not the the flavor of Marmite that people like, you know, that's always a good way to get some more people to your game is <laughs> the refugees from a system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as Ronnie well knows. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, tenth edition's around the quarter, and no one really knows what's about to happen. No, and like sometimes I just get it wrong, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, they did it once. So we'll move on to shout outs. Do you guys have any uh, anything, anybody, anything else that you would like to shout out before we uh, close up for the evening? I was going to say, come sign up to the Goonham Patreon. You know. Keep the servers running if you like the content. That's actually more important. Yes, do that first and then <laughs> sign up to the tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so I'm assuming uh, for the Patreon, it's uh, pretty easy to navigate from just the Goonhammer um, homepage. It's just goonhammer.com, right? It's not yeah. a .org or anything like that. Yeah. No. Yeah, there's a whole host of uh, benefits. You get on the Discord and there's other tiers. You get, yeah, all kinds of stuff. And I think they also have um, SDLs and stuff. So, yeah. Um, oh, really? But, yeah, okay. Um, but, yeah, so we got... Uh, Only fans for- with Matt Truella, if you're yeah. <laughs> you know, <pay> enough. <laughs> That's an expensive tier. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything else to add, JP? Sorry. Uh, just Convic, you know. We've got a, it's a pretty good tournament down in Springvale in Melbourne um, for anyone in Australia. Or if you want to come from, uh, I think it's a worthwhile one to come from uh, if you're in New Zealand or Singapore, I know there's quite a big uh, Kings of War community in the South Island of New Zealand, which I one day I'll, I'll go to. I just got to get there one day. 
Oh, well, I just came back from North Island, so I missed out. But yeah, yeah I'm going to um, I'm going to get the New Zealanders on the show soon, hopefully. <gasps> um, a, a, a couple of them, you know. I just got to. It's, it's hard c- trying to convince them to come in from the you know the paddocks and the sheep. It's just uh, just takes them forever to respond to a to a DM. It's a yeah. very relaxing place while I was there, so mm-hmm. I can see why they just want to ignore the rest of the world. Look for me. I just want to keep shouting out the slow grow. I think what will we be starting tomorrow? Week nine or ten? I think week ten. Yeah, week yeah. two of month three. Yeah, so we're we're ten weeks in. We're still. I think I put up in my post three months. Uh, sorry, two month at the end of the second month, we still had another uh, forty two people participating, which was down a little bit. But I think we'll people see people swing back in. Sometimes I think it's a bit of obviously life gets in the way, but also in in Australia, you know, products not always the easiest to come by, so you might have to wait a couple of weeks for things to come in once you once you finish. If you're not a moron like me and just you know buy everything at once and then just have too too much to do, so yeah, it's uh, that's that's on the Kings of War Australia page. Uh, look, if you if you're an out of towner, you can try and get on the Kings of War Australia page, and depending on how me and the admins are feeling on the day, we'll either let you in or we won't. <laughs> yeah, we, we we do have a few internationals on there, but it is primarily meant to be a an Australian page, but yeah, we'll probably, I mean, that's something I certainly want to do. I think is once we're getting towards conclusion, which is still a long way away because it'll go for most of the year that we get some of the pictures up for everyone to see uh, more internationally. But yeah, I've got to, got to print out the second month of prizes for, for those that won. Well, actually what I've got to do is buy the STLs and ask Clarkie to print them for me because... (laughs) Even though I've got my printer at work, I still don't find a chance to use it regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Does it take um, a while to set up an STL and get it going? Not really. Um, that that's not the hard bit. It's probably just the it's the cleanup in between, mm. and just like I'm having, I've got I I really have to figure out whether my um my bed is dead flat because I just get one spot that fails on it, which drives me nuts. Yeah. I've mapped it out now. It's like I've got a U of perfect on the on the plate that works perfectly, and there's just one spot in the middle. So it must dip there or something, um, something bizarre. And you know, and then temperature comes into it, and you know, Canberra, like many parts of Australia, is just a bloody nightmare for changes in temperature. So mm-hmm. not unlike where you guys are in Melbourne. As well. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, for the for those of you that are interested, check out the slow grow. It's it's completely about participation. Same for the counter charge slow grow. It's all about participation. You know, it's not about um, hobby elitism. It's a just uh, get involved and and build some mantic armies and models, or or just get involved and build any army really. But as long as it's to play in a mantic game. Anything else from you guys? No, thanks for having no, us I on. Think that's it. No, yeah. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time on a. Know what day of the week it is at the moment, honestly. Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday evening. You know, giving up giving up your time before a work day tomorrow. So JP, would you like to take us out? Sure. Until next time. Keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. 
If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Can you guys hear the cat? No. Sorry? No. no. All right. Not at all. He's just sitting I here howling. It... That's good. Howling? I do not hear howling. Yeah. Well, not howling, howling. He's chirping me out a bit, and I just didn't want to interrupt well. We were talking. I just thought it was you pairing, mate. I don't know where my child disappeared to, but oh well. Yeah. She's not there in the morning, then something's wrong. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah, got a cup of tea here. Yeah, yeah. Is that peppermint? Nah, just in Irish breakfast. Oh, breakfast for dinner. Irish breakfast. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't drink the toilet once. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a normal tea bag, but something else. <laughs> I don't know how fun I'd find an Irish tea bag. <laughs>